In this episode, we get to talk to a driver who's seen his stock rise within the last few seasons and is an official very much in demand. We'll talk to Scott Greenwood in this episode of TWBC Podcast. The expressed views of the guests on this podcast are theirs alone and not necessarily endorsed by the host, TWBC, or any associated sponsor. Conversations that are robust yet balanced, on point and to the point. You are listening to The Talk of Tournament Water Skiing. This is the TWBC Podcast. And now, here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Well, greetings one and all, and uh, welcome to this edition of the TWBC Podcast. My name is Tony Lightfoot, and I'm glad to have the pleasure of, uh, of uh, Scott Greenwood's uh, company. He is uh, driving at the, uh, the Lake 38 uh, Pro, which is uh, where we're recording this episode from. How are you doing there, Scott? Doing good, Tony. This is uh, what a great weekend to come down here with Keith Albritton in this this community that he's created down here is, is phenomenal. Beautiful lake and just, just honored to be here. All right then, Let, let's, let's see if we can go, go back uh, to the beginning. Uh, I mean, how did you get involved uh, in this sport and uh, where has it kind of taken you? Oh, it started way back, you know, in, in Arkansas uh, on Lake Hamilton as a kid. I'm one of five kids and, uh, you know, my dad, Learned to ski when he was real young down in, uh, in South Arkansas on the Washtenaw River. And uh, I guess he fell in love with it and wanted to be on the lake. And, and as we got, uh, you know, and, and all the kids were, were, you know, early in life, we got a, we, he bought a lake house on Lake Hamilton and we all just started skiing. Mm-hmm. Recreational skiing. So how did that kind of uh, dovetail its way into the tournament scene? Well, um, my dad... And, you know, all the boys were all very competitive, so we skied, uh, you know, it was like who could clear the wakes, jump across two wakes and do all the stuff and be the best skier in the cove. And, and um, my older brother, a friend of my older brother's, uh, took him to a water ski tournament. And after a tournament, he came back and said, this is the greatest thing, I need to take you to a tournament. And so uh, we went to a water ski tournament mm-hmm. in 1979 in Russellville, Arkansas. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's that's kind of a fun story to tell. Indeed, indeed. Let's uh, well, we'll put that to aside for a moment. Uh, well, actually, let let's let let's find out a little bit more about that for the first few tournaments that you skied in in Arkansas. Because, uh, I mean, this was late 1970s, early 1980s. You know, and things were a lot different there. I mean. Uh, I mean, there are folks that were still riding on wooden skis at that point, you know, with slaloms, you know, and uh, doing doing tricks on pairs and what have you, you know. So give us a little bit of an idea of what the historical aspect was in, in that regard. Well, um, there was a there was a tournament on, on uh, Lake Dardanelle in Russellville, and it was public water. And mm-hmm. my dad took me up there. My older brother was, uh, you know, skied in one tournament. It was a novice tournament. And... We rolled up there, and I had, my dad had bought me a, a, a Tech One, Cypress Garden, Ricky McCormick Signature Series. I've told this story several times. And, yeah. And uh, we got there a little late, and they, they, all the junior boys, it was the 12 and under junior boys, they had taken them down the highway in the back of a truck and then turned right on another highway and dropped them off in the middle of nowhere <laughs> off this uh, highway on a little starting area where you'd have to swim out into the water and get your ski on and go. Well, they were prepping me. The, one of the guys from the local club had drawn in the dirt the ski course. 
Oh. Because I had no idea what this was. So he was drawing little dots on the in the sand and telling me how to go through the gates and around the buoy and get there a little early and doing all that. And so they went through that a little bit. And I'm looking out into the lake, and it didn't look like anything other than buoys everywhere. I didn't understand any of it other than they kind of drew it out for me. So they take me down to the starting dock. My dad drives me down there. Mm-hmm. I get to the starting dock, and uh, I walk out there with my Tech 1, and there's about six or eight kids. And one of those kids is Wade, Wade Cox. He was, he was 10 at the time. I was 12. Oh, wow. So I walk down there, and they immediately look at me and go, what are you starting? And back then it was all long line, and, and I said 28 because my brother thought, you know, 28 seemed pretty easy for him when he skied in his first tournament. And every one of those kids took a step back, like, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to start at 28. So I realized that <laughs> Here we maybe go. <laughs> my dad was already gone, so I couldn't try to re-strategize. So I was looking around and going, what are y'all starting at? And they were all going to start at a speed slower than mine. So I was immediately pretty nervous. But in time, just kind of looking around and sizing up the kids, I decided, decided to start at 26. So here I was at my first tournament, didn't know what was going on, didn't have my dad with me, and I'm sitting on the, the dock with all these young kids. And, wow. And it was, uh, it was an interesting experience. Indeed, indeed. And, 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 I mean, that experience of skiing in those tournaments, you know, I mean, from, from youngest age all the way up, it, uh, it earned you a spot in collegiate water skiing with one of, with one of the, uh, the better teams at that time, uh, the, uh, the NLU uh, Indians, right? Well, you know, I, I, at that time, you know, we, we skied, you know, I skied that tournament. Actually, I made, I made two full passes the first time I ever saw the course. Mm-hmm. And I made a 26, a 28, and I came back. You know, back then, they didn't sit the boat down. No, and of I course made, not. I made three at 30. Yeah. And that was, Wade ran three at 32. And mm. my joke is, I was six buoys behind Wade Cox. At that and, time. In our entire life. I think that was as close as I ever got to Wade in, <laughs> in a score. But, but over the next several years, as, uh, as Wade and, and, and Cal Tate from Arkansas and Bobby Gibson, some of these guys that were skiing, they had Mastercraft boats and they had lakes to go to. They were continuing to improve and in, in, ski on courses and had a great place to practice we were still going back to the public lake skiing behind an outboard boat and for many years still there i was just skiing as a recreational skier and then going to a few novice tournaments here and there so tony by the time i got to by the time i got into high school i was able to kind of make some friends and i was mowing yards working for my dad in the construction business i would make some friends and pay for ski rides in the local ski club so by the time I got to college, I really hadn't made my mark. I kind of walked on to the team in Monroe as a B-teamer. Wow. So uh, you might not know that backstory because you no. kind of came in a little later. Yeah, I did. And, and so I earned my way onto that team just kind of through hard work and merit. Indeed, indeed. And, uh, and, and, one, and probably one of the... One of the uh, Probably one of the best things, if not the best thing, that happened to you in that whole college experience was that you met your wife. Yes, I did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> kind, of, kind of tell, tell us a little bit about uh, about how that how that uh, uh, came about. Well, um, I, I, I had been in school for a few years, and she had transferred in from, um, I think, Florida State, mm-hmm. and and we met oh. there, and we we didn't immediately date. It was a year or so after. Bit coincidental, considering yeah. we're at Lake Thirty Eight, <laughs> which is just down the road from Tallahassee. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, well, that was that was a, a, a pivotal moment in my life for sure to meet Jane, and then uh, great time there in Monroe, and uh, 
you know, Dean Murphy was, was a big mentor for all of us and uh, great relationships with Shannon Murphy, his, his daughter, and I were really, really good friends and skiing with the likes of Shay Langley and Brian Swenson and Fritz Harsh and uh, just so many great Danny and one, and one of the Armstrongs, I believe. Uh, Rafe was ahead of me. He was, he was already gone by the time I got there. Zach uh. Morgan was still there. Uh, just so many great skiers, and that's when kind of, that's when I, I just started skiing and started, it was all low-lying fruit at that moment. So mm-hmm. I was able to kind of start going up the ladder a little bit with the skiing, and, uh, and I was just a hard worker, Tony. That's how I got kind of. Yeah, I mean, you have to be a hard worker to be involved in construction. Yeah, you actually run your own construction company, is that yeah, right? Yes, yes. Me and oh, my wife. They, yeah, you and your wife over there in Scott, Arkansas, you know, so. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's 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 always always useful to remember the, uh, the the hard graft and all of those years to get you to to the point where you wanted to be in the sport of uh, water skiing. Now a lot of that graft and hard work has transitioned to to driving now because you're a man in demand. Oh, I don't know, Tony. Uh, thank you, but um, yeah, it's fun. Uh, I really really enjoy it. I don't know if I ever like meant to be uh in the driver's seat like that but uh you know collegiately it seemed like i was in the boat a lot uh maybe i just uh, had a little attention to detail i'm not sure what it was but over the over the years um uh, I, I never really you know i got my driver's rating collegiately you know we were driving back in those days hand driving but uh and then there always seemed to be a spot that needed to be filled in the community of water skiing around Tri Lakes or around our place, putting on record tournaments. So you just eventually, you know, get your regular and then your senior. And then uh, you, you just, I really enjoy it, but I'm not sure if I intended to be. Um, not, not to have taken it at seat, this yeah. level or, or, or actually been, a, been around in, in a scene where there, I mean, I mean, there are some great drivers out there. There's Will Bush. There's uh, there, there's Les Todd, uh, Becky Lathrop, and and all of those. But uh, it it seems to me that that there's there seems to be a, a lack of 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 decent drivers coming coming through uh, from among the younger generation. And not I, I I don't know whether you whether you agree with that. But uh, I mean. I mean, so far as the the better drivers in the country, I can count you, Will, Becky, uh, Les Todd, and maybe maybe one or two others in in that same elite category. I would say. I, I think there's quite a few more, Tony. There's some incredible drivers out there, and um, you know, Chris Wharton right now. You're seeing him drive a lot of events, and he does your future son-in-law. Yeah, yeah, he does an incredible <laughs> job, and. And uh, you had Alex King that got to drive last year at the uh, the LCQ and is doing an amazing job. I could probably list several more. There's a lot out there. And uh, thanks to the mentorship and leadership of some of the guys that you're talking about with Les and, and Will and Mario that have that have, uh, you see Manuel that's uh, driving a lot of yeah, events Domini, now. Yeah, Manuel yeah, Domini yeah. from Italy. So I think there's a lot of people out there that are, um, are doing a phenomenal job and we have a lot of tools now that help us, uh, and, and uh, Ricardo Botas as well, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's, there's I mean, a, I think there's a lot more out there, and a lot of folks, and um, they just have to broaden their horizons and their visions beyond the the American shores. I, in, for, I for believe. sure, for sure. But uh, but I mean, we'll continue on a little bit with driving because I mean, you you are one of one of the one of the better drivers, but certainly one of the more visible drivers. Now, let's go back a little bit to hand driving. 
I mean, back in back in those days, I yeah. mean, it's almost unfathomable these days that <coughs> you have yeah. to manipulate the throttle to do anything in the course. Now you just mash the throttle, it'll go up to speed, and the GPS and the uh, the software takes over. But back in those days, in the 80s, 90s, and uh, and just a little bit beyond, everything was was down to the driver. Yeah, it was a lot different. Um, at times, even hectic, Tony. Uh, short lakes, like just on the bayou, when we skied there, it was real short on the on the levee end, and a lot of it was trying to maybe utilize a tack or the tachometer or mm-hmm. just listening to the engine, the sound of the engine, to try to listen for that sound of where that speed is to try to get it up to speed because we're waiting on the air gauge to move, which is really slow. Mm-hmm. The air gauge was that speedometer that had a really slow swing to it yeah that, and, yeah they, those were of course were some nightmares yeah. those air guides yes and then just uh the you know the throttle using the throttle and the steering kind of in unison it, it seemed to be kind of a rhythm that you would you would get into as you as you drive down the slalom course or through the jump and it was very fun and i remember when cruise control came in when um a lot of the older drivers wanted to quit because they were taking away some of their ability some, to drive. Yeah, some of their skill set. You know, we're talking yeah. like perfect pass, accu ski. Yes. And then and, and then things started. Uh, I mean, they held they held the market uh, more so uh, perfect pass for several seasons, and then it transitioned to more GPS based uh, yeah. speed control with uh, with zero off. I mean, how have you handled handled that general transition? I- as a skier, I thought it was great because it uh, it just created a lot more consistency. And for a driver, it, it allowed you to focus more on one thing. So I, I believe like our vision and our system that we put together to drive, we can zone in on just steering and how we want to facilitate what the skier is trying to accomplish. Is there much of a difference between the boats? I mean, I, I mean, it... I mean, when you step into a Malibu or you step into a Nautique or you step into a Mastercraft, uh, it, are, are, there, are there certain things that you kind of check off on, on, on a checklist and like say, I'm in a Malibu now, yes. Let, let's, let's adjust the seat, let's try yes. and get it comfortable or other boats. Kind of, kind of give us a sense of where that is. You know, it's, uh, you know, I'm a, a Mastercraft guy. And, of course. And, and folks are like, you know, try to put you a little bit in a bubble and and i really there's things about every one of these boats that are great all the boats are great the competition's good and each boat has has things that they do really well and 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 there's things in each boat that you have to prepare yourself for some boats are a little more uh are better tuned when they're balanced well and other boats just your seating position or uh the weighting of the front or the back or whatever so uh, I, I think when you get in different boats, you just, you know, the steering, the, the, the linkage feels different in different boats. So the, you're definitely, your input with the skier is different. And the way the attitude of that boat, how it moves through the turn and the release is different. So understanding those boats and then going from boat to boat, you have to kind of reacquaint yourself with those boats. So what I try to do is when I drive an event, I'm usually there a day or two early so I can kind of get, if I haven't been in the Nautique or the Malibu, it gives me a time to get reacquainted with the rhythm of that boat and how it works. And that, I mean, that especially is is correct for slalom, but 
you're a pretty darn good jump driver as well because i mean you, you're you're going to be driving at la night jam uh which is the next water ski pro tour event after the conclusion of uh, lake 38 and this is an especially uh poignant event for you because of your relationship with the guy that's running the competition jay bennett right yes jay is uh for sure a, a long long time friend he's He's brought me in and has mentored me over the years and you know, has allowed me to be involved in the, in the driving for years down there. And it's, uh, it's been a great ground for me to express my interest in, in driving. Uh, but in that event, Chris is actually driving the men, Chris Wharton. Oh, he and, is? And uh, I think Chris Eller will be driving the women. So I'll be working with Keith Albritton on the slalom side at this event. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. okay. So yeah, you're kind, yeah. of, kind of taking a step uh, yeah. step away from jumping. But yeah. if you if you are in a position to drive the jump event, kind of kind of what, what kind of things typically go on in your mind whenever you set yourself up uh, with a particular boat in jump? Because... Certainly, when um, when you when you have engine power issues, when you when you have a uh, whole whole slew of other issues that deal with the jump event, maybe you can expand upon that, you know. But tell tell us what you do to prepare for for driving jump, and especially pull in some of the the big hitters such as such as Garcia, Dodd, Kruger, uh, and. And, and Poland to this day. Yeah, what we we do. But, let, but let's not yeah. let's not forget the w- women either uh, yes, as well. Yes, uh, Strolsover yes. and yeah. Morgan and and the other and the yeah. others, uh, uh, Daniel Skyer and. Yeah. I, I, I hate I hate to miss any, uh, all the others, but you yeah, don't forget and, Brittany Greenwood, right? Uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah, your daughter. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, um, it, you know I have such a fun relationship with Chris Wharton. Because we're pretty much driving nerds. We love uh, talking and, and getting really deep into the, to the feel and the concept of what, what we're doing. So we, um, we have a lot of conversation. And at that event, we'll immediately, if, he get, if he's in the boat, we'll immediately be talking about what kind of, what kind of numbers we're getting, what are we feeling. Uh, with the boat and, and any adjustments we need to make. There's quite a few adjustments you can make in a boat, whether it's the, the rudder or, or if we need to adjust some of the numbers we're using in jump to get the kind of output that we want to give to the skiers. So immediately we'll, uh, we'll look at that output when we get there. When we start driving practice, Chris will give input. We'll talk about it. We've done uh, some neat things. Uh, will Bush has been amazing to teach teach us some things from just looking at oil levels to um, taking out extra weight out of the boat to just make sure those boats are optimal so the skiers can have a great opportunity to ski And, of well. course, you're running a three-blade prop for, for the majority of yes, jump events yes. as well. And the, the Mastercraft has an approved three-blade prop, and that seems to be the, the, the prop that does well and performs well for, for the Mastercraft boat. And I mean, and, and obviously, once you've got the boat settled down, then it comes down to you, the driver. You know how hard the uh, the driver takes you right o- right off the gut, you know, and ha- and how much steering input yeah. that's necessary to actually keep that boat. Uh, would it be correct to say straight, or would it would it be in in a path that 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 safely puts the jumper on on that ramp? Yeah, um, uh, kind of my joke about. Uh, people ask me about driving and, and I always say all they want to do is go fast 
right? Like so, Ricky Bobby. Like Ricky Bobby, yeah. <laughs> so they just want to go fast. A slalom skier, when he gets his hand on the handle, he wants to be to the first wake or center line, whatever they want to think of. They want to be there efficiently and quickly. So facilitating that is what we think about as drivers. And jumping is the same. It's a bit more input. Because some skiers, you'll have the likes of Taylor or Jack Critchley or sometimes Toadie, that uh, they come in really, really hard out of the turn. And so that anticipation to where you're trying to make sure that you can facilitate for them as opposed to maybe a, a Dorian or a Freddie that is going to be much lighter on the line through the turn. So, um, you know, how you're setting or, or setting that boat up for that turn is, is and understanding how that boat and that hull is going to walk through that turn and try to follow the feel of how that boat's going to roll and move and then turn, like you're saying, Tony, to keep the line tight as the skier's coming through the wake, through the ramp. The safety aspect of that is to make sure that the line is tight all the way through the entire pull so the skier's not falling. But not too tight as to draw the skier away from the bottom right-hand corner, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, they get, they have the chance to pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all have three so jumps. I, I, I think if there's a, a, a minor veer away, that would be safer than getting pulled into the ramp because that's when the skier is, is at danger, is at risk. All so, right. All right, then. Uh, we've taken a real deep dive in slalom and, uh, and jump. I mean, uh, we won't talk about tricks so much, but uh, unless, unless you want to offer anything more than, than what we already know about tricks, which is just basically just set the boat speed and just, and just keep, keep a halfway decent yeah, yeah. Uh, straight path. Yeah, that's it, Tony. There is nowadays, uh, you know, you have to be on the ball because most of the most of the high-end trickers want to change their speed in the in the middle of their hand pass. Usually six flips and then down so many points. Beep 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 beep. Yeah, like it like the road runner. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. So it's fun. I, you know, I really enjoy driving tricks because you know the same attention that you're trying to put into the that you're tr putting into the other events you the trickers deserve just as much attention, as much energy into that trick ride as the slalom and jumpers do. All right. And before we round off uh, the, pod the podcast, I uh, have to ask you about BPMS. Uh, how, have, how have you adapted to that? Uh, you know, I think it's amazing. Um, we were just talking earlier with Keith and, and Jerry Jackson about having to have somebody in the, in the, on the camera watching you drive, move over two inches, move over an inch move over a quarter an inch and then maybe having some people that aren't qualified to uh, be subjective about what's going on out there in the boat you can self-monitor yourself to find what the center line is in the slalom course uh, and over time when you're driving a, an event that may last for two hours your mental gps can slightly shift mm -hmm. and you're on you're on zero which you feel like a zero and then after an hour or 45 minutes that that in my mind, sometimes that shifts slightly. And if I come back to the course and I find myself negative, positive, negative, positive, I'm, I make that adjustment then and I refocus myself. And it allows me to do that on my own. It really hasn't changed the way I drive, but it gives me the kind of input to let me know where am I in the course based on center. 
All right, then. We've had a long, long discussion about uh, driving and uh, all, uh, all other pertinent aspects in, in the life of, uh, of Scott Greenwood. But uh, the one thing that I'm going to give you now is an opportunity to thank and acknowledge uh, certain people that have been, uh, been important uh, in your path uh, to where you are right now within the sport. So the mic's yours, sir. Oh, gosh, Tony. Who, who would you start with? You know, my, uh, my, my parents, my mother and my father. My father passed away five years ago in a few months, and uh, he was kind of the inspiration. Uh, my mother, definitely someone that taught me detail in life, and I, I appreciate that very much in my driving. Uh, I have. Well, we mentioned Jay, uh, haven't we? Jay, Jay, for sure. Yeah, I guess the list goes on. We have, uh, uh, I have uh, four siblings. I have a beautiful wife. I have uh, Sam and, and Matthew Greenwood, uh, great kids, and Brittany, as we said earlier, just a, a beautiful community around me. Uh, Kevin and Jenny Withrow that we built the lake with at Bullneck. Uh, just it, the list goes on. Dean Murphy, Jay Bennett, um, many, many mentors over the years. I probably forget several, but uh, Tony, I know we got to go now, so I appreciate you giving me a little time here. Not a problem, not a problem. We thank you. Uh, thank you for being on this edition of the TW, TWBC podcast. My name is Tony Lightfoot. And uh, until the next episode, it is ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the TWBC podcast. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com. Links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there, as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast. Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC Podcasts.